Hello there and welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. We're excited you've taken time out of your day to download our podcast and listen to us. We are aware there are many podcasts out there available to you and you've chosen us and we are honored and blessed. We hope and pray that this podcast would glorify Christ and edify you and help you come to a better understanding of who Jesus is and his words and promises to us in the Bible. For more information about us, you can go to biblicalquestion.com, all lowercase, all one word. And there you can find a way uh, to support us. We certainly hope that uh, you will at least pray for our podcast, as we have listeners from all around the world who do not always have the convenience of having internet in their home. They have to go somewhere like an internet cafe and download it, and then take it home and listen to it. We also have a prayer request there by page. You can click on that link and see the people there who have requested a prayer request. Now, granted, that list hasn't changed often, but we do get requests from time to time. And if you're a prayer warrior, I would really, really encourage you to to go to there and check it out. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to open it and follow along. Or, excuse me, we're going to be in Luke chapter 23. And we're going to start in verse 38 here in just a moment. Today's topic is, was the thief baptized? Was the thief baptized? This is uh, a controversial subject, to say the least, in some circles within uh, the Christian church around the world, uh, trying to prove baptism was needed or not needed. And so you're welcome to have a different view. And I certainly hope that you'd continue listening to us. We had I so hope that you would open your your Bible and follow along so that you can understand where we're coming from. It is often the case uh, with the subject of the thief on the cross uh, when it comes up again the the subject of baptism is always being discussed. The thief on the cross is used as as an example of someone. Uh, who was saved without being uh, immersed. Well, first of all, there's not a single shred of Scripture anywhere in the entire Bible which says the thief was not baptized. When people argue uh, salvation without baptism uh, by using the example of the thief on the cross, they're, they're making an assumption he was never baptized. They, they are assuming since he was a condemned thief and he was being executed, uh, he had never received any prior knowledge, instruction on who Jesus was and never heard him, I guess, uh, teaching on the Sermon on the Mount or, or wherever. They just This guy just been living in a cave all his life. And, and that just simply may not completely uh, be true. And what do I mean by that? Well, Jesus had huge followings. And my guess would be everybody who was somebody back then probably knew who Jesus was when he was in the area preaching or teaching. And they certainly knew who he was in Jerusalem uh, with the constant battle between the Sanhedrin and Jesus himself. So the truth is, we don't know for sure whether or not this man was baptized because, again, honestly, the Bible does not say one way or another. 
The evidence against him being baptized again is a purely uh, an assumption of a condemned thief. And because he was a thief, that automatically makes the man unbaptized, or he never was baptized. And that's if that's all we have to support this belief, uh, we're in trouble, I think. We're, we're lacking some things. Because I, I can tell you, as being a, a preacher for 20-plus years, I've known people who were baptized and did some stupid stuff, okay? Went to prison or whatever. And so, does that mean that they became unbaptized? Of course not. So, now now what about the evidence in favor of perhaps him being baptized? Well, let's read Luke chapter 23, and we're going to start in verse 38. Now, there was also this inscription over him. This is at the cross here that we're reading, and Jesus is, is hanging on the cross. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who were hanged railed against him. Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do not, do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. Verse 41. And we indeed justly, for we are receiving due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And verse 43. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be in paradise with me. Okay, so this idea, again, that people couldn't talk while they were being crucified only applies to ABC News, Ted Koppel, 2020, I don't know how many years ago. Uh, he, he had a deal that there was no way that Jesus could talk because he was suffocating. But the prisoners, the, the other two, uh, they were able to talk. Okay, so you have to start lining things up here, people, and asking yourself, what is real and what is not real here? What am I trying to be sold? And so there's several important facts, I think, that come to light uh, by carefully looking at the verses that we just read. And if you don't have a Bible, you can download one for free. Uh, you, you can just do a search for that. You can go to our webpage and click on the daily Bible verse. That will take you to a Bible. And you can select, I don't know, 30, 40 different languages. There's a lot. So it's not in your, your uh, English is not your first language. And we have a lot of listeners that would be true. Then, you know, go find the, the language that will help you understand better. Okay, so for, first of all, by comparing... Luke's account, gospel account, with Matthew and Mark, it is very obvious there's a change in this man's view regarding Jesus. Because for a short time, they both were mocking him. But th this one man does, some reason or another, he has a change of heart uh, while this is all going on, and they're all hanging there on the cross. This man really... He, he will glorify Jesus. He petitioned him as the Savior. And Jesus graciously responded to him. Okay? So, we need to understand that. 
he he does confess. He he does say, "Hey, you are who you say you are. You've done nothing wrong." Okay, and so the thief does repent. There is a repentance going on here. And he would have had a great deal, I think. Like I said in, in the monologue, a great information concerning Christ. Exactly when he learned these facts of who Jesus uh, is, the, the Bible doesn't say. It's not clearly stated at all. Okay? So there are two possibilities here. Either he learned about Jesus and became convinced of his royalty during the six hours of his crucifixion, or, or else he knew about Jesus from the teaching in, in his public ministry before his crucifixion. Okay? So it's not impossible that this man learned of, of Jesus earlier in his life, had been impressed by it, and later something happened. He, he regressed into a, a life of crime. For whatever reasons, I don't know because the Bible doesn't say. That could be something that the guy's always been a thief. It could be they belonged to a gang. It could be that he had a job and lost it, got hungry, got caught stealing something. I don't know. And neither do the people who are going to argue their, their side of the case here about the thief on the cross. Again, it is not clear. But he certainly would not have been the only one who ever turned this way, Okay. Let's consider some other things that, about this man's beliefs. Again, he, he acknowledges the existence of God. He believed in a standard of right and wrong, and he confesses that he and his companion, his uh, friend or whatever, had transgressed a divine law. Okay? They were thieves. They were not supposed to steal. And he admitted that they were being punished justly okay so again we deserve this punishment we knew uh, that we were going uh, to take this risk when we went to stealing and, and in life of crime that if we got caught there could be repercussions it is no different in our world today the role of the government no matter where you live in the world whether you agree with it or not one of the roles of government is to preserve uh, law and order, and they do punish lawbreakers. Okay, so again, the, the fourth point here is the thief acknowledged the innocence of Jesus. He knew and he declared Jesus had done nothing. Okay, remember, Jesus was being crucified for his affirmation of being the Son of the Blessed One in, in Mark chapter 14, verses 61 and 62. Okay, Jesus has claimed that he is the Son of God, and that was all the excuse the Jewish leaders needed or wanted, and that's what exactly what they used to crucify him, because he made that claim. So when the thief declared Jesus' innocence, he acknowledges he knew Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, and that was the truth. The robber's statement, therefore, is basically an acknowledgement of truth of Jesus' claim to be the Son of God. Okay? Fifthly, 
the repentant thief believes that Jesus was a king. His crucifixion would not be the end of Jesus' life. Okay, so remember the man's words. Recall here. Okay, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This, this man knew they were going to physically, they were going to die. Now, he doesn't know their legs are going to be broken and, uh, to speed up the process, but you're on the cross, you're going to die. And sometimes uh, it took days for somebody to die hanging on a cross. So, again, if he, he had to have some kind of a belief. Some com- somebody taught him that there was a resurrection of the dead. And again, one must ask how this man knew all these things without being taught something. His Point six here. He was confident that Jesus would be able to bless him when he arrived into his kingdom. So, at the very least, these expressions indicate that the thief believed it was possible to have an association with Jesus, both of them, after they both were dead. Okay, the man knew, even though he and Jesus were going to physically die, there was something far beyond dying on the cross for both of them. So this man hanging on the cross beside our Lord had a lot of information. And it is highly unlikely this man received this amount of instruction while hanging on the cross. I mean, the Bible doesn't record any conversation whatsoever of this. Okay? So, it is entirely possible, it's probably even probable, this man had been exposed to some teachings earlier in his life concerning Jesus Christ. Period. Okay? So, let's consider this scenario. It is not possible this man could have been a disciple of John the Baptist or of Jesus himself, or one of Christ's disciples as they went forth teaching. Okay, and you can read some of that in Matthew chapter 10 and Luke chapter 10. If such were the case, the man might well have been baptized for the forgiveness of his sins at some point in the past occasion. Okay? In Mark chapter 1, verse 4, and John chapter 4, the first couple of verses there. Okay, John the Baptist is baptizing a lot of people. In fact, Jesus' apostles, they are baptizing a lot of people. Jesus never baptized anybody that I could find in the scripture. Because there's a conversation that will go on between Jesus and his follower. His disciples say, hey... Uh, you know what? There's John the Baptist over there. He's baptizing. And Jesus' apostles are baptizing more. And there's going to be another conversation where they say, well, there's some old boy down there on the river, Jordan, he's baptizing. 
And they want to go run them off because it's not Jesus, it's not them, and it's not John the Baptist. Like this is something special that only a handful of people can do. And Jesus says, leave them alone. If, he's, if that person is not against us, then he's for us. Let it go. Well, we can never be certain this side of eternity. There is sufficient evidence to draw a conclusion conclusion that it is possible at the very least given the amount of information this man possessed concerning Christ no one can rightfully make the dogmatic statement that thief had never been baptized again this is an unknown factor he might well have been an erring child of God And that's the point. Everybody, including me, being a child of God, sometimes we do make mistakes. Sometimes people go to jail for those mistakes. And sometimes it just passes by. Again, the Bible never tells us for sure whether or not the thief was baptized. The Bible never says that the thief was baptized. It also never says he was or he was not. I I know I've said that a hundred different ways. So anyone using the thief on the cross to support the doctrine of salvation by faith alone is basing their beliefs on something that, first of all, does not in any way support their position. And secondly, it is improvable. What we need to take from this is someone's going to make a decision that is going to have eternal consequences. Then they need to to make those decisions based off of the facts and not assumptions. And we need to start making decisions that affect our soul on facts and not on guesses or not on feelings. And there's a lot of people out there today in my neighborhood are basing their salvation off of a feeling. And I'm not saying feelings are are good or bad. You know, feelings can be deceiving. But my dad once said, son, you get an education. And no matter what, they can't take that away from you because once it's yours, it's yours. But people, you can change your feelings. Events can change your feelings. Elections can change your feelings. Your pastor can change your feelings. And that doesn't mean it's necessarily right or wrong. It's going to depend on the situation. But your feelings better be based off of facts when it comes to your salvation. And as a side note, let us just suppose for argument's sake, that that the thief was not baptized. Does that really make a difference to us today? I mean, a serious Bible student must understand there are different periods of history with different religious, Christian, Jewish requirements, okay? Okay. Abraham was never commanded to be baptized or to observe the Lord's Supper. 
Cain and Abel were not required to be circumcised. In today's era of religious history, we're not obligated to observe the Passover or to offer animal sacrifices. God, Jesus, the head of the church, he has given different requirements in different periods of history. Okay, so during Jesus' personal ministry, Jesus had the authority to forgive sins personally and directly. And this is something that people in this whole scenario with the thief on the cross, when you say, hey, why is that any different with the, with the, the scene at the crucifixion than the lady at the well or whoever? Jesus has been forgiving people's sins in his entire ministry, and they accept that. But they never use those people as an example of having, they had to go be baptized. You know, Jesus, he was in the, in the city of Capernaum, and he counters a man who was paralyzed. The unfortunate man had to be carried to where Jesus was by four of his friends. And see, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the, to the man, Son, your sins are forgiven. You can find that in Mark chapter 2, verse 5. Then after Christ establishes his authority, Okay, in the matter of personally forgiving sins on earth, he says, I have the authority, and I'm going to prove to you. I'm going to heal this man. And this man gets up, and he walks away under his own power. While Jesus was alive on this earth, when he actually walked on this he had the authority to forgive sins. At the time of his death, however, his authority to forgive sins was transferred to his new the New Testament. You know, we might use that word as a will. I mean, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 15 and 17, lay out the terms that a covenant specifies baptism as part of the salvation process for the forgiveness of sins. And you can you can use 1 Peter 3.21, Mark 16.16, 16, Acts 2.38, Acts 22.16. And, and they'll say, well, but Paul never taught baptism as part of the salvation plan. Yes, he did. And, and they always want to go to the book of Romans. And the church in Rome, folks, is already established when Paul comes on the scene there. And so he doesn't have to teach them about baptism because he's already, they're already doing it. But if you go to the church in Corinth and you read their letters, they're fighting over who is better baptized, by John, by Peter, or whoever. And, and and so, Paul would say, knock that off. It doesn't matter who immersed you. What matters is, 
that you did it. And Jesus is the example we all claim that we want to follow and imitate. Well, Jesus himself was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. And why would the Apostle Paul teach something different and that would contradict what he was taught when he is being blinded there and he is in Damascus and he's waiting for instruction and the man that goes to him and talks to him tells him to be baptized. Okay? There's eight examples, conversion examples of baptism in the book of Acts. How many more do we need? Okay, folks, you need to also understand, really, the New Testament church really does not start. It does not start until the day of Pentecost. That is when the New Testament church really becomes in, comes into existence. It's a conception. Okay? Again, so Jesus, when he was alive, walking on this earth prior to his crucifixion. He clearly had the power to forgive sins. So whether the thief was baptized or not really makes no difference at all for us on this side of the empty tomb, on this side of the day of Pentecost. He was forgiven under a covenant that is no longer enforced today. No Christian is going to live under the old law. Because we're all going to go to the book of Acts in chapter 15, and we're going to start looking at, at the Jerusalem conference, and where they are fighting over this discussion. Do these new Christian converts, do they need to be circumcised? Do they need this? Do they need that? And they conclude, no. They don't need to do anything that the Jewish people were required to do under the old covenant. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15 through 17 says, Therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant, and so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Verse 16, For where a will is involved, a death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, and since it is not enforced as long as it, he is alive. Okay, so we are living 2,000 years or so after the death of Christ. The thief was forgiven before Jesus died on the cross. No one living today can be saved 2,000 years ago. No one today can be saved before the death of the cross. Of Christ. We live under a new covenant, and now we must follow the establishment that is set up by the new covenant. If the thief on the cross believed, okay, he had faith, and he repented, and he confessed Jesus before men, he had this sorrow and guilt, and he changed his mind thinking, Hey, I you know what? I I really I really really have sinned here. Only the most careless 
I, I, I almost don't like to use that word, but irresponsible Bible student could try to say that the thief would have been saved by Jesus if he had not made the response that he did on the cross. I mean, the other guy doesn't ask for forgiveness. He doesn't say, I'm sorry. He doesn't acknowledge who Jesus is. Nothing. And nobody says, that old boy went, went to heaven. Okay? Jesus died on the cross. He shed his blood for us on the day that he died. And when he died, he left a testament in force, which tells us today that we have things to do. And the Holy Spirit, I really truly believe, the Holy Spirit has to guide you. Because you can't save yourself. We have to believe. We have to have faith. Hebrews eleven six says, And without faith it is impossible to please him for whatever we draw near to God. Must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Just like the thief on the cross, we have to confess who Jesus is, the Son of God. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Just like the thief on the cross, we must, there has to be some repentance. We have to say, look, you know what? I am a sinner, and I, I don't like that. And when we need to try to turn away. We need to do more and try. We really need to ask God to help us. Because be honest with yourself. You sin because you like it. And we need to start liking the things that God likes. And we need to start rejecting the thing God rejects. I mean, just like the thief on the cross, we, we have to, let's just start changing our way of thinking and our behavior. In Luke chapter 13, verse 3, here is Jesus. He says, I tell you, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And in, you know, Mark 16, 16, there is some controversy around this verse, and I, I understand that. But it is in the canon, and it says, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, and he that does not will be condemned. Concerning being baptized. I mean, Jesus told Nicodemus that unless you, unless you accept a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. I think Jesus is saying right there, you know, baptism is not an option. Now, granted, the baptism of the Holy Spirit that comes on the day of Pentecost which is a couple years away. But after faith, repentance and confessing and, and, and immersion, you, we have to live a faithful life the rest of our lives. And, and listeners, I'm telling you, that's a challenge. It's not easy to live a holy and, and righteous life. We are constantly bombarded at work, school, television, radio, whatever, of... A very worldly, ungodly attitude. In fact, God is being thrown out of the uh, United States 
faster than you can throw out an old bucket of dirty mop water. Okay? There's a lot of people that don't want God anymore. They don't believe in God anymore. But we must be, be walking in the light. I mean, that's what the Apostle John would write in his epistle. 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 and 9. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, we need to do our best to continue to, to walk in the light, confessing our sins when we fall short and pick ourselves up and keep on fighting, keep moving forward. You know, and I want to add a couple things here. I know this is probably a little longer than the past podcast. But we need to understand too, baptism is an act of faith. It is not a work. Most people like to use Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. And that's, that's what we need to understand. That faith comes from solid biblical teaching solid Bible study, word studies, Greek word studies. I love them. I do. And baptism is, again, I just said it, it's not a work. Baptism is an act of faith. And it is saying, God, I've read your word, and I believe you, and I'm sorry for my sin. And baptism, the Holy Spirit has led you to the baptistry, and you are immersed. That is an act of faith. That God is going to do what he has promised. I mean, the day of Pentecost, Peter saying, you know, these people, he, he's preached this sermon, which is actually probably a pretty short sermon. And he says, the people there said, what must we do to be saved? And he, he says, repent, believe, all the things we've talked about, and be baptized. Okay? Now, there is a new teaching <laughs> going around now that baptism only applied to the Jews, period. The Gentiles were not required to be baptized. Okay, again, that is not true. If you go and study the First Corinthians, a very clear non-Jewish church, okay? They all come out of paganism. They are Gentiles to the core. And there they are arguing over baptism and who had a better baptism, okay? So baptism was being taught by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth of the importance of baptism. You know, we can't live in a rural area and there's a lot of cattle around, okay? Back in the old days, they used a branding iron to mark that cow, 
Today, I think they put tags in ears. But what that mark says, that is my cow. And the cow can say, that's my cowboy. I mean, that's what baptism does for us. It marks us. It, it says, he is my God. And God says, that's my child. That's my sheep. That's, that is part of my kingdom. Instead of using the, the thief on the cross incorrectly to support false doctrines and salvation by faith alone, we, we need to, to go through this man's story. And it, it doesn't take long and see how this man, he's hanging on the cross and he's breathing out his, fast, his last few words on earth. His time was up and he was lost and he knew it. In the last moments on this earth, he turned to the only person on this earth who could help him. And instead of finding someone being bitter and angry, he found the Savior. Who was ready and willing and able to accept him and offer him life. The Savior, the thief, turned and he's turning to all of us today. He, he just is eager and, and willing and he's ready to save us as he was that man hanging on the cross. And, and there's really no reason for anybody listening today with having the hope, the same hope that that thief had. Again, two thieves died on that cross that day with Jesus. And as far as we know from the Bible... All of them died. All three of them physically died. But only one that we know for sure went to paradise with Jesus. So where do you want to go when you die? We make this... My wife's getting ready to make an apple pie for Thanksgiving. Well, she just doesn't use apples. Okay? That's it. That's an important ingredient, obviously. But there's, I don't know, she's saying sugar, uh, cinnamon, got to have pie crust, and so on. So a lot of things go together to make that apple pie. It, 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 it is, you need to, to read the entire Bible, the entire New Testament, to understand the complete Word of God. And, and to say that... Jesus went to hell. I, I, I know there's a lady out there. She, she teaches this. Okay, folks, again, if you read this story from the Bible, and this event here of, of Jesus saying, you're going to be with me today in paradise. He doesn't say, well, in three days we'll, we'll get together. doesn't say that at all. So again, that's another false teaching that you could use to theater of the cross to reject. Sorry, Joyce, but I don't agree with you. Okay, so we've got to take our Bible study seriously. And it's so important to have a church group that is really wants to learn what the Bible says and not what man says. Not what some denominational group says. Not with whoever you want to put their name in. 
Again, that's why I encourage you. Read the Bible. Follow along with me. And I'm giving you verses as we go through to show you where I'm pulling my information from. It doesn't matter what version you use. Use the one that you're comfortable with and that you can read and understand. Well, I certainly hope that this has at least encouraged you to take a different look at the thief on the cross. And, and, and have you look at your own, your own spiritual walk. Where did you get your faith from? Just because somebody on Sunday morning said in a 20-minute sermon, this is all you have to do? If you need help in, in, in any way that if we're possible to help us help you, I, I will do my best. I, I can't make promises. We would try to find you a, a congregation, a church group somewhere that is meeting in spirit and truth. And, and I know since COVID and over a year ago now, or close to it anyway, a lot of people are meeting in homes. In fact, we have groups of people downloading this podcast to help them with their studies. And we've gotten great emails and responses, and we're so thankful. And with COVID coming back and spiking again, as many people said it probably would, once the winter flu season kind of comes around here in North America, it's going to be more and more important that we, that we meet with other people who are serious and want to know. Don't pick just one topic. They don't just have their most favorite Bible verse or Bible story, and that's all they ever talk about. Because there's plenty of those churches around. You can find the church that will make you feel good. It's a lot harder to find a church group that's going to do serious Bible study and make you want to think and pray and ask God to help you and guide you and help you understand His Word. Okay, I better stop. I thank you for listening. May God bless you and may He have the glory.